Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 8-16, through 16, a beloved brother. I was just doing some personal reading one night um, several weeks ago, and um, I, I decided to read through Philemon. I've read through it before in college, but it's been years, and um, as I opened this book, I was just taken back by the beauty of this passage, and it is not taught on very often, so it's a privilege. Uh, I really feel honored to be able to get to go through this text with you guys, um, and so thank you for giving me the opportunity, and I, I just really think this is such a rich um, what has been called by many biblical scholars a gospel in miniature. And we're going to really see the, the meat of the letter and what Paul is working towards in an ask to Philemon um, in, in our text tonight. So before we continue, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that tonight you are faithful to, to meet with us, God. Thank you that you are in this place. Thank you that your presence is here and that we are able to commune with you because you've bridged the gap between us and you, a holy, worthy, righteous God because of the cross. And tonight, as we have an opportunity to know you more, to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict where conviction is needed. It would encourage, Lord, where encouragement is needed. And Lord, for anything that might apply to us tonight, um, any areas where we need to repent um, where we need to make things right, God, may you speak those things to us so clearly, and may we, may we leave this place better because we've spent time in your presence. And so we ask for your holy word to do what only it can do, and we thank you for your faithfulness to answer these prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you stand with me as we read together? And I think for the sake of those who maybe weren't here last week, let's just read it in its entirety again. And I think there'll be, that'll be just as beneficial. And, and it's only 25 verses, so you won't be standing too long. This is Paul writing to Philemon. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Epipha, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you in peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, and that's to Philemon, because I hear of your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. That was our key verse last week, refreshing the saints. Verse 8, accordingly, and now we get into tonight's text, and this is where things will get interesting for Philemon, who's reading this letter from Paul. You could say, therefore, or accordingly, or with this in mind, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man now, a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. 
And I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you? both in the flesh and in the Lord. Verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If, I, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write this to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you also, and so to Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You can have a seat. You know, I have been thinking and studying through this text for the last few days, and as I looked at the text, I, I suppose that titles of sermons don't necessarily bear a ton of weight, and in the eternal scheme of things, they're probably not of that much importance, but the title that I felt like the Lord kept impressing upon my heart was A Beloved Brother. And tonight, as we look at this this now, this ask that Paul makes before Philemon. He says in verse 8, Although I am bold enough to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. You know, there's nothing like the bond between brothers. I have two brothers, and um, there's something unique about a relationship between me and James and Nathan. There's, there's something that is special because it's, it's a bond that you don't have with many people. And sure, brother relationships, they can, they can be with people who are not you know, flesh and blood, but there's something unique that God has, has crafted in his design with those who share flesh and blood. And there's a bond between brothers that, that is something that can't be replaced. You know, I... I would say after my wife, my brothers are my closest friends. They, they know me the best. They've known me the longest. And they've seen my, my greatest accomplishments and my highest moments and my greatest feats and the good things about me. And yet they also have seen my lowest lows and the worst things about my sinful humanity and my worst moments when I've said things that I wish I could go back and not have said. And this brotherhood that that God has designed is a unique bond. And I suppose that, you know, I would love to say with full confidence that I would do anything for my brothers. And I, I do believe that I would do anything for them. Because there's just a bond between your siblings that you have that even if there's been uh, 
division and, and struggle. And, and trust me, my brothers and I have had our fair share of struggles along the way, like any good set of brothers. Um, we've had our scraps. You know, James and Nathan are closer in age, so I'm the oldest of three boys, and I'm four and a half or so years older than the next one, and that's Nathan. And then James and Nathan are only 18 months apart. So they had the luxury of, uh, well, I should say I had the luxury of them sharing a room their whole life, and I had my own room my whole life. Um, but there are also cons to being the oldest sibling. If there's any oldest siblings in the room, you can attest. Amen. Yeah. We got one older sibling in the room, just a few. Okay. So I got a few people in my camp and you know how it goes. Uh, you're kind of the trial, uh, for everything. Um, you also usually take the blame for just about everything. <laughs> I can recall many times uh, through my childhood where I was in the midst of breaking up a scrap between James and Nathan, and it just so happens that when I'm wringing Nathan's neck to tell him to stop beating up James, that's when dad walks in the room and says, Shane, what are you doing? You know, and it's like, no, I, I dad, you, no, you know, and in spite of all those things and all the disagreements and the the few fist fights maybe over the years and things like that, that, that boys do when you're all trying to figure out life and everybody's insecure, but they don't want to say it. So they just punch each other, which is always a good way to handle situations. Not at all. But through those, those ups and downs, there's just something about a relationship between brothers that can't be replaced. And it's been said that brothers may not always be eye to eye, but they will always be heart to heart. And tonight we look at a picture of brotherhood. And we look at a call from the Apostle Paul to a righteous, godly man who's leading a church and is active in his faith. And he's making a bold ask before Philemon. And the challenge in our text tonight is that we can apply the same ask to us right now in 2022, thousands of years later. You and I can look at this text and say, am I loving people the way that Christ has called me to love? Because the common denominator and the thing that binds a, a, an ex-Pharisee and re, a man of religiosity who was judgmental and hated Christians and now has been changed for the gospel. He was Saul and now he's Paul. And then you have a Gentile slave and you have a wealthy Roman. The thing that unites all of them is Jesus Christ. That's the common bond that they share. And when we come into this place tonight, we all represent different styles of life, different backgrounds, different mistakes, but none of it matters because it all checks at the door because the common denominator, the bond that you and I ought to have is Jesus. And so the differences that we bring to the table become irrelevant because the scripture makes it clear that you and I have been reconciled to each other. You see, this is the problem with modern thinking and critical thinking and critical race theory that questions that reconciliation. Friend, critical race theory is irrelevant, and here's why. The Bible teaches very clearly that you and I have already been reconciled to each other. It's not about politics. It's not about our opinions. I look at the text of Scripture in its proper context, in the author's intent, and I see that you and I Despite our backgrounds, our different ethnicities, races, opinions, the thing that reconciles you and I to each other is Jesus. And so we don't need new ways of thinking. We need to get back to the simple gospel. And tonight, as we look at this text, it would be easy for us to look at Philemon and just expect him to do the right thing. 
But I, I challenge you tonight as we look at the text that you put yourself in Philemon's shoes. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into was requested by a listener, Anxiety. What is it, and how do you work through it? And it catches you off guard when people right. do occasionally. You say, hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden, the cashier at your local grocery store starts telling you how their day is actually going. And it almost catches us off guard because we are so busy, and I think busyness is a huge contributor to anxiety. But I think that's a key thing, is that Jesus takes his anxiety first and foremost to his Heavenly Father. So if we can kind of combine two ideas of what you shared, Pastor Shane. One is that Jesus took it to the Father in prayer. And that's a key. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer Mm -hmm. and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So that's a wonderful remedy. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, on Walk in Truth. That you put yourself in Philemon's shoes. Onesimus has wronged you. He stole from you. We don't know exactly what he did, but we know he probably stole something. But there was some sort of falling out between this household slave, Onesimus, to his master, Philemon. And Paul is now saying, I need you to take him back. Not not because you're obligated to or because out of, out of compulsion, but because it is what you should do as a Christian. It's a bold ask. And, you know, I think that there's a, a strong lesson from the Apostle Paul intact. I heard Alistair Begg teaching on this passage, and I did make the mistake of making the font in my notes much too small for my eyes. So give me a moment so I can make it bigger so I can actually read my notes. But I heard Alistair Begg talking on this idea. And he said, you know, I think that the Apostle Paul really gives us a lesson intact. And maybe some of, some of us need a lesson intact tonight and how we approach conversations and different engagements in life. Alistair Begg says this, commenting on this section, Paul gives us a master class on tact. A lesson on tact, particularly to those of us who, while trying to influence others, display all the gentility of a bull in a china shop. Some of us have great things to say and a very poor way of saying it. Growing up, many of you may have heard this from your parents probably more than once. Son or daughter, it's not what you said so much as how you said it. And now if you have kids of your own, you start to realize... See, what they said is not really the issue that I have, but it's the tone, right? That was what my mom used to say to me. Watch your tone, right? And many of us, 
in different situations where maybe even the Lord is prompting us to speak a truth into somebody's life or to be an example or to disciple someone, we burn bridges not because of the message we desire to convey, but because of the way in which we convey it. And Paul gives us a lesson, or as Alistair says so eloquently, a masterclass intact in how he approaches this ask, because this is a sensitive situation. Because by Roman law, Philemon has every right to, per, to uh, press charges against Onesimus for what he's done. And according to Roman law, a runaway slave could be killed for what he's done. And Paul is not only asking him to forgive him, but to then take him in as one of his own. That's the language in the text. Paul is saying, I want you to take Onesimus back, but not as a slave anymore. I want you to take him back as one of your own children. I want you to let him dine at your table with you and be a part of your family. It's a, it's a tall order that I think each one of us in our humanity and in our flesh we would struggle with. And there's a clear desire from Paul to be gracious, to be theological, and he keeps Christ at the center. He's not being manipulative or uh, appealing to him uh, from some sort of fleshly manner. No, he's, he's appealing to him in love and in Christ. And he's saying, look, he's your brother in Jesus. So take him back. Forgive him. So I believe careful consideration in how we say things is not only wise, but oftentimes will yield a better result. Amen? And this is true of those who are young and old. And some of us, maybe with some more gray hair on our head, say, well, you know, my son, he always is disrespectful. And you might be right. But the question that you have to ask is, well, how do I speak to my son? Do you owe your son respect? I don't know. That's a debatable thing. I don't know if there's a scripture that says fathers respect your sons, but there are scriptures that certainly say fathers don't provoke your son to anger. Do you do that? Do you do that in different relationships? Because what Paul is saying is we are to deal with each other in love. So again, let's review verse eight and nine. He says, therefore, or accordingly, though I am bold enough to command you, I am the apostle Paul is what he's saying. I am Paul, the apostle. But we talked about that last week, that Paul doesn't have to remind anybody of his status. No, in humility, he says, a fellow prisoner, I could command you to do what's required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you or to ask you. I, Paul, an old man, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. You can almost sense Paul is trying to just be down to earth with Philemon and say, look, man, I'm tired. I'm old. He says, I'm old. How many of you say that? Some of you remind me all the time. I'm getting old. My dad always tells me, don't get old. It stinks getting old. <laughs> Sometimes I'm doing a, a class in the mornings and it's like a fitness thing. And there's a guy in there. He's 67 years old. And sometimes I want to quit on my workout and I look over it. I call him crazy Dave and he's still going. And I think to myself, I have to shut up and just keep going because he is 67 and he's still going. And then he says, it sucks getting old, man. 
And Paul, I can kind of sense that in him as he's writing this letter. He's, it's so down to earth and just personal. This is the most personal text you're going to see from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. From just one Christian, one brother to another, he's saying, look, man, I'm tired, I'm old, I'm in, I'm in chains for Christ. I could command you, but I'd rather just ask you. Just do what's right. Because Philemon knows. He knows what's right. And how often do you and I look at a situation in our life and we know what we ought to do. But doing it is a very different thing. Amen? I can look at situations in my life and say, I know how I ought to handle that. I can look at a disagreement with my spouse and say, I know how I ought to speak to her. I know how I ought to respect my husband. I know how I ought to love my wife. But doing it is a different thing. I know I ought to take better care of my body and eat better, but doing it is a different thing. Because at midnight when you're hungry, the healthy places are closed. It's hard to be healthy. And Del Taco's open 24 hours a day. It's a challenge. But what I love about the Apostle Paul is that he, he, he lives out the things that he preaches. Because as he writes in Colossians, he says, love one another. Look, he could have just ignored Onesimus when he showed up and asked Paul for help. All we can tell from the, the text, because we have to fill in some blanks, is that more than likely, it's not an uncommon practice at this time, if a slave was in trouble or in division between him and his master, he would often go to an, a, a neutral third party and would ask for a plea on their behalf. And so what we are gathering is that more than likely, Onesimus goes to Paul because he knows that he knows Philemon, and he says, Paul, hey, you have good rapport with Philemon and the church in Colossae there. Can you help me? Because I really messed up, and and I need someone to bail me out. Paul could have easily said, I don't have time for this. I'm an old man. I'm tired. I'm, in ho- I'm on house arrest right now. I don't have time for this. But instead, what we see in the text is that it could have been years that Paul has been pouring in to Onesimus and discipling him in the ways of Christ. He takes a young man under his wing who needs refuge, who needs help, and who needs discipleship. And he does what he preaches. You've been listening to A Beloved Brother, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 8-16. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the message is called A Beloved Brother here in Philemon 1, 8-16, Part 1. But maybe you're a woman and you have sisters and you might be asking, Okay, uh, I hear about a beloved brother and all of that, but what about me? I'm a woman. Maybe uh, you have some sisters. Maybe there's some need for restoration. I'm going to pitch it to the preacher who's preaching Philemon. That's Pastor Shane. What would you say to the ladies out there? Yeah, well, um, you know, I think the first thing we have to remember, we got to look at the historical context of what this book uh, Philemon is. And what it is, is it's a letter. Um, Paul is writing a letter, and it's the most personal letter, I believe, we really see in the New Testament. He's writing really to not even a church so much. He's just writing to one individual, and that is Philemon. And Paul is writing on behalf. He's making a plea. He's interceding for a man named named Onesimus. And there is some division that's gone on. We don't know what happened, but Onesimus is a runaway slave. 
Um, now, when you hear slave, uh, maybe if you're an American and you're listening to this, you might associate slavery with some of the tragedies that have taken place in our own country. But this type of slavery is actually different. In this historical time, uh, a slave could have been uh, somebody who's just a hired hand, a worker. Uh, but here's what we basically know. We don't have a ton of details in the letter, but we know this, that Onesimus did something wrong. He may have stolen something, um, but it's all conjecture. We don't exactly know what happened, but there's some sort of falling out. And we even know that um, maybe the church and some of the people in Colossae have heard there's some gossip maybe even about what's taken place. And Philemon has an opportunity to exemplify Christ and how he um, handles this situation with Onesimus. And that is the key. That is the principle that can be applied for us because this letter is from one person to another regarding a specific situation. But we can take the principles and whether you be male or female, it doesn't matter. The principles here are gospel principles uh, because it is the idea of forgiveness and reconciliation, which is what the whole Bible is about. It's about us being reconciled to a God that we uh, were divided from because of our sin. And in a, a beautiful picture that's painted through this letter and this occurrence that happens, Paul charges Philemon to to have Onesimus come back. He says, he's, I'm going to send Onesimus back to you, and you're not going to receive him back as a worker anymore. No, but as a brother. And that is the key application. And so whatever situation you might be walking through, if you are struggling to forgive, I would first say this. Don't forget the forgiveness that has been poured out on you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, because a great debt was paid on your behalf by Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. And so we are called to be a people who forgive. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 8 through 16, called A Beloved Brother. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.